0: Welcome to Practical Christian Living. What if God calls you to suffer rather than calling you to do great things? Are you willing to serve Him today? Do you have the kind of courage to say, Lord, it doesn't matter to me how you use me. It doesn't matter to me if you use me in great ways or you use me through suffering. Like Job who said, even if you kill me, I will serve you. There comes a point where you may realize that God's going to use you in suffering in greater ways than He will in power.
1: We are making our way through Hebrews chapter 11 as we study some amazing heroes of faith. If we are willing to live by faith and trust God, he will use us in amazing ways. We don't have to be people of great power or brilliance. God called fishermen and tax collectors and he calls you and me today. With Hebrews 11:28 28 through 40, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary Tucson.
0: Father, we wanna thank you again for Your Word, that uh, You have preserved it from generation to generation, and that what we are studying, we are studying what You have given to us, and it speaks to us in this generation. And we pray that Your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that we would take and feed upon the milk and the meat of Your Word, and that You would do a work inside of us. Your Word says that Your Word works in the hearts of those who believe. And Lord, we are those who believe, and we want You to do a work cause our walk with you to become deeper by the time we have spent here with one another today. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 11, we are reading something that was written 2,000 years ago. And he's writing about men that lived up to 1,500 years before his time. So the people that we are reading about today that walk by faith lived 3,500 years ago. I have a question for you as we start this study. What has changed in 3,500 years? How did Abraham and Moses and Noah live in a world that was different than ours? Maybe I should ask it another way. What hasn't changed in 3,500 years? Right? Right? Everything has changed. The way they live, the way they get their food, the way they get their water, things, hobbies. I don't even think they had hobbies back in those days. Everything has changed. And yet, when it comes to living by faith, nothing has changed. We serve the same God. We serve a God that will honor you for your faith the same exact way that he honored Abraham for his faith. We serve a God who's on a search, looking for men and women who will believe and trust who will lead that life of trust in him and see God do amazing things through your life. You've been given a call. I prayed in our prayer that we are the light of the world. God has chosen us that we would make a difference. Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to life and few there are that find it. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there are that find that road. And we've been called to lead the way for people to that narrow way. And I believe that we change destinies. I believe by the work and the call that you and I have been given, if we will live by faith, that people's lives and destinies will be changed by that. In the text that we're covering today, Paul has started by going in depth into Abraham's life and Moses's life by faith. How they walked by faith and what exactly it meant. And he started at the beginning of the Pentateuch, you remember, Talked about Abel and then talked about Enoch and talked about Noah, went on and got a lot about Abraham and quite a bit about Moses. But right in the middle of this chapter, it suddenly dawns on him that if he keeps going into detail like that, he's gonna write forever. So he's even gonna say at one point here, Time would fail me if I told you of the faith of Jephthah, Samson, Barak, Gideon. He gets into this list and he starts to make a list. Instead of telling us any ways in which Samson or Gideon or Barak walked by faith, he just lists that these were men and women that have faith. And then he breaks into what they did. Now, in that list of men that walked by faith, we find Samson. Samson, who I wouldn't think would be a a stellar example of faith. Samson had been given great potential by God, right? One of the strongest men, if not the strongest man who ever lived. He had great potential, but he also had a problem, right? Know what his problem was? He liked the girls, not the Hebrew girls either, the Philistine girls, all right? Or as I said last night, he dug the chicks to speak in 70s lingo, all right? And the Philistine girls is who he struggled with, but yet he's in the hall of faith. And some of you may have struggles in your life. Some of you may feel like you don't belong in any lists of faith, but God may very well line you up. I believe that this list is still being written today. And I believe that God is looking for men and women that he can show himself strong to. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? God wants to show himself strong to those who are loyal. Are you loyal to God? Are you loyal to the call of God that God would do it his way? Not because you roll up your sleeves, not because of your talents, not because of your giftings, but because you trust in God that God would use you and show himself strong to you. Well, in the remainder of this passage, I want us to put shoe leather Christianity on our faith. I want us to get this down to the place where we walk And there are three areas that I see the remainder of this chapter going. Number one, it discusses faith and obedience. The importance of being obedient to God. The Bible says, if you say that you love God, but you don't keep his commandments, then you are a liar. Now, don't go home from church today and say, the pastor called me a liar today. Point his finger. It's God who said it. These are the words of God. If you say you love him and you don't keep his commandments, You are a liar. When you are born again, there is a desire. Everything in you changes the moment you're born again. You become a brand new person. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, and behold, everything becomes new. And if you today say, Well, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I go to church, but I don't want to keep his commandments, I don't want to be obedient. I don't want to. Fall. I want my own pleasures, I want my own life, I want to live for myself, I want to live for power, I want to live for sex, I want to live for fame, I want to live for whatever you're living for, then you're not really a Christian. The faith has not transformed you. It's not that you've got to be obedient and then get saved, it's that you get saved and there is a heart for obedience. And we see that faith and obedience is necessary, even when we don't understand it, even when it takes a while. Now, the next thing that we see is that faith brings power. And we're power kind of people. We like power lunches. We wear power ties. We want the power of God. Paul said that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and that God shows himself strong to those whose hearts are loyal towards him. We want to see God do great things in our lives. God is calling you and God is willing to give you the Holy Spirit, empower you with the Holy Spirit that you can make a difference in the lives of people around you. And I want to say this today. How do you know that God isn't calling you to be someone of power to this generation? How do you know that God's not calling you to make a radical difference? Maybe there's someone here in this room that God is gonna use in a more powerful way than anyone that he has ever used before. We're marching quickly on the last days. And I believe that God will raise up men and women. The Bible says that faith is a rare thing. Jesus said, when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will there even be faith here? The answer is yes, it will be rare. Could you be a young man or a young woman who would say, I want to live by faith? I want to be the one whom God uses to transform and change this world. And you might say, well, I'm, I'm no one. I'm a construction worker. I'm no one. I work at a library or I work in an office or I work at a fire department. But remember, the people God called were fishermen and tax collectors. The people that turned their world upside down were not people who were trained in theology, If you are trained in theology, it doesn't mean God can't use you, but God just doesn't have to use someone who's trained in theology. Praise God. I'm happy about that because I don't have a lick of training when it comes to theology. By the way, neither did Spurgeon and neither did D.L. Moody and many other people that God used in incredibly powerful ways because God calls people to reach out and touch people. And the second section here is the power of God in our lives. We're going to see service through the power of God or gaining God's power or strength through faith. And finally, the last is courage in the life to come. That is that faith gives us courage. And if we're gonna be men and women of faith, we're gonna need that courage because Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And we go, amen. I want that abundant life that Jesus can give me. But he also said, in this world, you will have tribulation. He also said that you're going to be persecuted and there are Christians today when they make a commitment to Christ, they know that their lives are at risk. There's a persecuted church and we're not just talking about China or Pakistan or Afghanistan or the Sudan or other parts of Africa, but today some of the greatest persecution in the world is taking place in Egypt where there are many Muslims who are becoming Christians, God is moving there, and many people are confessing Christ. And when they confess him, they know that their lives are at risk. There's a chance that they will be killed because of their faith, and they still do it. And I'll ask you this question today. If you knew giving your life to Jesus gave you an opportunity that your life could be taken from you, women are kidnapped, raped, and brutally murdered in Egypt today, all because they've made a commitment to Christ not only through Sharia law, which takes place and happens there, but just because they've made a commitment, it might not even be anybody related to them, but just because they're a Christian, they are persecuted today. And it takes courage to say, I might have suffering and struggling. I may never experience the promises that God has given to us, but I'm going to live for God anyway. I'm going to walk by faith. There are those faith teachers among us today which don't have an understanding about what faith really means, by the way who will say that if you struggle or if you you suffer or you have some kind of a difficulty or problem in your life, you don't have enough faith, they'll say that. But here in our passage, it says that these men and women that suffered, that they walked in faith and yet did not receive the promises. They had a good standing in faith, but they didn't receive the promises. Sometimes to walk in faith takes courage. What if God calls you to suffer rather than calling you to do great things? Are you willing to serve him today? Do you have the kind of courage to say, Lord, it doesn't matter to me how you use me. It doesn't matter to me if you use me in great ways or you use me through suffering. Like Job who said, even if you kill me, I will serve you. There comes a point where you may realize that God's gonna use you in suffering in greater ways than he will in power. In fact, Paul said that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. We like the first part of that verse, power of his resurrection, yeah. But in the fellowship of his sufferings, if God is calling you to suffer, Would you, by faith, with courage and boldness, move forward anyway? Would you say, Lord, I'll serve you no matter what you have for me? Well, those are the three areas we're going to cover. So let's pick it up, first of all, with obedience. We find that, first of all, in verse 28, where we continue on with Moses. It says, By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. You remember that Moses had been used by God to deliver the children of Israel by a mighty hand through the plagues of Egypt. And that at this point that his faith is spoken of here, nine of the plagues had passed, but the worst of the plagues is to come. And that is the death of the firstborn. God had said to the Egyptians, you have kept my firstborn, the nation of Israel. And because you will not let my firstborn go, I will take your firstborn from you. It was a reaping and sowing thing. But he didn't make a distinction between the Egyptians the Egyptians. And the Hebrews. And so he said to the Hebrews, if you guys don't want your firstborn to die, then you're going to have to be obedient by killing a lamb and smearing its blood on the doorpost. What an odd thing, by the way, bringing a lamb into their home for several days so they get attached to it, killing it, draining the blood out of it and smearing it on the doorpost. And when the death angel saw that blood, he would pass by. Now, I wonder if any of them struggled with that. I wonder if any of them thought, I don't think the death angel is going to come at all. I don't need to kill this lamb. I wonder if anyone thought, I don't think killing this lamb is gonna help the death angel fly over. I wonder if anybody killed the lamb, drained the blood and didn't smear it on their door and therefore suffered from it. They had to be obedient to what God had said. They had to bring the lamb in. They had to kill the lamb and they had to apply the blood. Well, the same is true with Christ. In fact, if you've ever studied the Passover, you know that Jesus is the Passover lamb, right? So the Bible says, And in fact, John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But not only does the shedding of his blood bring salvation. In fact, it almost sounds blasphemous to say what I'm going to say now. All right. You ready for this? Did I get your attention there? All right. That the death of Jesus isn't enough for salvation. Because you've got to apply the blood to you. Jesus died once and for all which means anybody who comes to him can be saved. But if he dies on that cross and no one invites him in and applies the blood to their lives and they can't be saved, the death angel will not pass by. You have to receive him and invite him and apply that blood into your life and then you'll be changed. That's the obedience. See, some of you guys here might think, well, I I was brought up as a Methodist or I was brought up as a Catholic. I was brought up as a Lutheran. I'm okay. No, you're not. God doesn't have a list of approved denominations that he's going to let into heaven. Yes, in what uh, denomination are you? <laughs> he doesn't have that. You either come in by Jesus or you go out by Jesus, one way or another. doesn't matter what denomination you are. What matters is if you know him and have applied that blood to your life. Now he goes on in obedience, to talk more about obedience. He says in verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so were drowned. Sometimes obedience and faith is risky. God had led them to the Red Sea. Then the army of the Egyptians came in behind them. And the people began to cry out to Moses. Put yourself in their position for a moment. You're led by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And you're led to the Red Sea. Then the Egyptian army closes in behind you. And now you look behind you and there is the most powerful army in the world in your day. You know what they did? They started to complain against Moses. Why did you bring us out here to kill us? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt for us to die there? How come you've done this? And Moses went to God and cried out to God, oh God, why have you brought us here? What should we do? Save us for your own namesake. You know what God told him? This is funny. God says, why are you talking to me? I wonder if God ever says that in our prayers. That is an answer you don't expect to get from God when you're praying. Why are you talking to me? Because uh, I thought I was supposed to pray. That's why I'm talking to you, Right. Why are you talking to me? He says, hold up your staff. And he held up his staff and the waters parted and stood up on mounds on each side. And then he looked at the children of Israel, looking back at the army, and he said, go into the ocean. Now you're the first one in line. (laughs) You want me to go in there? See, sometimes faith is risky. Sometimes God asks us to do things that in other circumstances would be stupid. To go into that ocean... When you have not been called by God would be not only not a faith, but it would be a lack of faith and a, it would be stupid. So they go in and God rescues them because it's by faith. But the Egyptian army sees them go through safely and they're not as smart and they're not entering by faith. And they go in and bam, the water falls upon them and drowns the entire Egyptian army. The same thing the children of Israel did by faith. They do without faith and it kills them. See, sometimes God asks us to live differently. And you might be told to leave the job that you're in or to give up a certain financial income, something people around you might say, that's stupid, that's dumb, don't do that. But God told you to do it, and so you do it. And you live by faith, and God honors that. And God moves in a powerful way. And sometimes, in a lot of different situations and circumstances, living by faith is a risky thing to do. Well, not only are we obedient through sometimes risky faith, but also we need to persevere. The Bible says through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. That means we have to have faith and we need to wait for it to happen. That means that you don't have faith one moment, the next moment you get the promise. It might take years. It might take weeks. It might take months. Look at what it says here. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Why couldn't God have taken the city of Jericho on day one? Why did God make them march around for seven days and then seven times on the seventh day? First of all, you remember this is direction from God. Joshua goes to spy out the walls. And when he's there, the commander of the Lord's host shows up. This is Jesus. This is the angel of the Lord. And Joshua pulls out his sword. All of a sudden, there's this angel in front of him. He pulls out his sword and he says, are you for me or are you against me? And the angel of the Lord's host says, no. In other words, you're on my side. I'm not on your side. I'm not for you or against you, but you are on my side. And then he said, I want you to circle this city. I want you to walk around it for seven days. And On the seventh day, walk around it seven times. So Joshua goes back to his generals. All right, boys, I got the plan. What is it? We're going to walk around the city of Jericho. Okay, then what? We're going to go home. And then what? We're going to go walk the next day. Okay, and then what? We're going to go home again. We're going to do that for seven days. His generals are like, I don't know what you've been smoking. I don't think that's going to work. And then on the seventh day, it's going to change. Oh, finally. OK, the seventh day, what are we going to do? We're going to walk around it seven times. And then what are we going to do? Blow our trumpets and walls going to fall down. What? Now, God could have done it on the first day. And I wonder if any of them in the army thought, what are we doing? They got up every day. They put on their shields. They put on their swords. And there's some adrenaline that goes along with going into battle, right? And for seven days, they got up and they got up. Maybe today is going to be the day we're going to fight. And imagine the people in Jericho. This army's all running to the wall. They're coming, they're coming. They blow the horns for battle and they go out and they look and here comes the army. And then they start walking around the wall and the army starts following them. <laughs> and then they go away. Then they come back again the next day. But they had to get to that 14th time around that wall before they blew the trumpets and the wall fell down and they went to battle. And see, you may be now in the midst of what God is calling you to do and you may not have seen those promises happen, but you need to be faithful. Faithful. You need to persevere in order to get all that God has for you. I'm going to say it again. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. No wonder Galatians tells us, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you don't grow faint. Are some of you guys growing faint in your faith now? God has maybe just around the corner some great things for you. You need to be obedient and be obedient for as long as God needs us to be obedient for. I love the fourth example here of obedience, and that is Rahab. It says by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace out of all of the people that God could save in Jericho. He chose a prostitute. Isn't that incredible? You might think God's looking for religious people. It's what the scribes and Pharisees thought in the days of Jesus. Jesus went and hung out with sinners And they said, he's a friend of sinners and drunkards. And Jesus said, a doctor doesn't come to those who are well. He goes to those who are sick. And I've gone to seek out those who need forgiveness. He went to sinners. He went to care for the sin sick soul. And not only was this woman delivered from prostitution, but she delivered her whole family from Jericho by her faith. You might think I've done too much. My lifestyle's bad. God doesn't want me. And you are so wrong evidenced by the woman caught in the act of adultery, evidenced by this woman who not only saves her family, who not only is spoken of in the hall of faith, but she's in the lineage of Jesus. Did you know that? Rahab is mentioned in the lineage of Jesus. And she was a prostitute. The Lord truly loves sin-sick souls. And the more we reach out to those who are destitute, the more we reach out to those who are suffering, the more God moves in their lives. Now, he goes from the section on obedience and the importance of obedience. And if we want to seek faith and we want to see God move in our lives, we need to be obedient. And he now moves to what I've called the section on power. He says in verse 32, for what more shall I say to you? For time would fail me if I told you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. Now, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things doesn't belong. You guys ready to play this little game? I'm gonna read them again. One of these things is different. One of these things doesn't belong, all right? I'm gonna read them, you ready? Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. Now, if you came to the service earlier today or last night, you can't answer this, all right? Last service, Scott here on the front row, went last night and he called it out. All right, so you guys ready? Which one doesn't belong? Who doesn't belong? David, who said David? I heard it. There we go. Why doesn't David belong? He's a king, not a a judge. Every other one is a judge, right? All of the other guys here Gideon, Barak, Samson, Samuel, and Jephthah are all judges. And David is a king. Now, I don't have anything profound to say about that. I just thought it would be a fun game. (laughs) It's true. I don't know if he was writing it and he's writing the judges, he throws in the king and then goes, oh, I forgot about Samuel. Because if there's anyone you don't want to forget about, it is Samuel. Samuel is one of the three men in the Bible that really served God from the time they were young until the time they were old without any major flaws. Samuel, Daniel, right? And Joseph are the three guys who really don't have any flaws. Now, you look at these guys that he mentions by faith and they did some pretty incredible things. Gideon was called a mighty man of God, a valiant man of God by the angel of the Lord. Gideon's hiding in the basement because the Midianites are stealing the grain from them and he's threshing his wheat in a basement. If you know anything about threshing wheat, and I didn't know anything before I studied this for the first time, by the way, you do it on a hill. Gideon's in the basement, beating the wheat. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appears and says, O mighty man of valor. And I think Gideon went, where, where, where? Because he's hiding in the basement. But by faith, Gideon would be used to deliver the people of Israel from the Midianites.
1: We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com.